What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have husband, former Division I college player, now a podcast host, um, a mortgage broker, uh, and he still hoops, too, just a little bit. Dallas Rutherford. Welcome nice to, the to show. meet you, Todd. Thanks for having me on the show, man. <laughs> this is this is awesome. I'm it's not nice you. to meet me. Me and Dallas have known each other for 10 years. Nice, to see, nice, to, nice see to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. All good. All good. So we love to start this show off with the wall of hoop movies. Your favorite hoop movie of all time and why? So there's two movies on this wall that stick out to me the most. But my personal favorite, which I, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm curious if anyone's actually said this movie. For me, it's Space Jam. I love Space Jam. That, that I'll never forget going to the movie theater with my dad, my uncle, my cousins in Fresno. And I was so hyped to watch it. But my second, my close, close first, whatever, my second one would be Hoosiers. Yeah. And Hoosiers, you know, just my dad used to watch it when I was younger. I've seen that movie uh, a thousand times. So Hoosiers, Space Jam, number one, Hoosiers, number two. Space Jam, which character do you relate to the most in Space Jam? Ooh. Honestly, I like the Monstars. Like, that was, like, the highlight <laughs> yes. of it. Like, they were just, like, the bullies of the show, and the, I, I like the Monstars the most. And their song on the soundtrack was a bad hit them yeah. high, hit them oh, low. Oh, my goodness, yeah. bro. Like, yeah, no, it was one of, my, uh, one of my favorites. I thought it was weird for liking the Monstars, but it's good to know somebody else did. Uh, okay, I have one trivia for you, and I have to say this story because the trivia is actually, it's, this is not true, but for... The last four years, I thought it was true, okay? Okay. And so when I found this out, I was really disappointed. So I'm going to give you a non-true trivia question that I once thought was true. And if it was true, it would be amazing. Amazing. Can you name all the NBA players that were in Space Jam? Yes. Start start with a couple of them. Just name a few. So just Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have Larry Johnson. You have Muggsy Bowes. You have Sean, uh, Sean Bradley. And Charles Barkley. Okay, what if I told you that there is a, there was a, and again, this isn't true, so it kills it, but I, I, this is why it's so disappointing for me. There was a rumor about this, but what if I told you there was an NBA player that's still in the league that was in Space Jam? Eric Gordon. That's not true. So that wasn't him I, as that, Michael Jordan. Correct. As the, or I, Michael you're Jordan's like one son. of the first person, yes. That wasn't I heard, him. I, heard, I read this. I read an article, and they like debunked it. So maybe it is true. But isn't that disappointing if that's not it, true? It, I thought Eric Gordon was Michael Jordan's son this yeah, whole time. Yeah, I used to. That was like my best <laughs> basketball trivia question. And then I read this thing, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been telling this story to everyone. We gotta ask. We gotta ask Eric Gordon himself. Like, out. let's find out. That's crazy if that's not true. I'm surprised you knew that though. That's that's uh, there you go. Um, great. Um, so we like to start this off, man. When did you fall in love with basketball? Uh, I fell in love with basketball. I mean, I can't really put an age number on it, but pretty much my whole life, just my dad obviously was a big hoop junkie head and he just had me, had a basketball in my hands as, as, as long as I could remember. So I just kind of grew up, uh, you know, I think my dad just kind of instilled, instilled that in me when I was just a kid. Yeah, just a kid. Yeah, no, I started playing when I was 11, so it's always interesting to see when people like actually fell in love with the game. And I think I fell in love with it right when I touched the basketball and watched Sunset Park. It was all around the same time, which was interesting. But uh, 
No, it's always always good to to see people who, like you had it in the crib. Like mm-hmm. my son has his ball in the crib, mm-hmm. and and it's like, oh no, this is a part of life. This is a normal part of what we do in our life. Yep. Um, when did you start getting serious about basketball? <sighs> when did I start getting serious at playing, basketball? Playing at a high level. Playing at a high level. So I always tell people like I wasn't the type of guy. Like I wasn't a, a worker. Uh, I didn't work on my game, as crazy as that sounds. Most people think I was, you know, one of those kids that was waking up early and getting a thousand shots up before school. I just like to hoop. Um, and I would I would work. My work was playing. Like, I would just play a lot and, you know, kind of try to translate things into, like, real-life basketball. Like, I used to know kids that could dribble two balls up and down, you know, the court between their legs and do all. I, I couldn't do any of that. But in the game, I would know what I would, you know, I, I would have better moves than the kid that could do, like, all this other stuff. But um, my, my, my time when I started taking it seriously and what really kind of helped me, I think, become the player that I once was, um, was in like sixth grade my dad had a relationship with the pump brothers mm-hmm. dana and david pump uh who at one time were in the top 100 most influential people in sports and uh anybody that's you know been in the valley or really in the aau scene remembers kind of those pump and run teams and we were kind of the last pump and run team that was really good but in sixth grade, the pumps allowed me to go work out with the current pump team that they had then. Hmm. So I started playing with like Jordan Farmar and Nick Young, Trevor Ariza, uh, anybody that was in LA. I always forget the one big kid that went to Fairfax. He's still in the league. Tall centers. So I always not Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson. Okay, yeah. And so here I am, and in sixth grade, just a scrawny white kid. I, I wasn't that athletic at the time, uh, but I was able to go down uh, to the pump practices during right when I started middle school. And that's really when I started getting a little more, not net competitive, but when I started to have to learn how to think more because I wasn't going to be able to compete with those guys on a, a physical level. Uh, but just doing all the drills with them and learning how to shoot over a, a six foot ten kid, or yeah. you know, have Nick on the wing and Jordan Farmar guarding me and doing all these drills. So really, in like sixth grade is when I started. That's when I started getting good. It's crazy to think <laughs> all those guys were together in sixth grade playing against each other or playing with each other. Yeah, well, that's... I'm in sixth grade. Those guys are in high school. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like, it was sixth, seventh grade. Then those mm-hmm. guys a couple years older than me, okay. grade-wise. Um, so I was playing with just, you know, high school kids that were the best high school kids in the Valley at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them ended up going to the NBA, which is crazy. But right. that's what got me... Got you right. Got me to where I where where, where I got to. Wow. Was playing with those guys. So before that moment, like you said, you were just out there hooping. Did um, was there a skills training of any sort? Was there somebody showing you what to do in the court, or was it all you know watching and then replicating? Everything came from my dad. Everything came from my dad, and and I think a lot of you know it's I think it's a little different. There's some you know especially now, and I've talked with Tarek about this. It's crazy to see the parents and like the AU scene and you know, skills trainers now, it's like a a cool, popular thing to do. 
that was my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we would just be in the backyard working on footwork. And I, I think my dad, more than most parents, actually kind of knows what he's talking about and he was does. teaching me the right things. And um, so it, it really just my skills trainer was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to, to Dudley. Yeah, he's Pastor, a, Dud. Pastor Dudley, the head coach of Heritage Girls Basketball right now as well. So he's still doing it. We're rooting for years you, Years later. Yay, we, we got your back. <laughs> <laughs> We're supporting you. And so um, that's awesome. I, I think that's a huge point. I, I kind of make this a point to everyone who comes on the show who played at a higher level is that how important it is for their parents at that young age to show them. Most of the great shooters I know, their dad showed them to shoot. Mm -hmm. Devin Booker, uh, Clay Thompson, all these guys. I'm like, hey, who who showed you how to shoot? My dad. Mm -hmm. They're all because their dad was in the backyard with them at a young age showing them that. I I think it's super important at that young age, right? And then it sounds like your dad kind of, hey, go and compete. Mm -hmm. Once you were ready, I'm sure you guys still worked out and stuff, Mm -hmm. but the... um, that base and that foundation is always found at home. Um, and I'm sure it came more than just basketball. I'm sure he had some uh, philosophical principle he was teaching yeah, you while know, he was doing sure. that. Yep. And so, um, man, that's awesome. The, so you start practicing with the, the pump and run group. Uh, did you start playing in tournaments or where did that go? Yeah, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't play in any, I didn't play with them in any tournaments in middle school, um, but we'd go watch them play. Um, used to go watch like uh, Dave Hopla, uh, when he was first getting started, which if people don't know who Dave Hopla is, look up Dave Hopla. He's like one of the best shooting coaches shooting coach, in the yeah. world. I used to be just mesmerized by like, I used to go to the, when I was in sixth grade, when Dave Hopla would do the camps during the summer at the pumps down at Dominguez and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd go and just watch, but I'd be like the rebounding guy. Oh, and nice. so I, there's a lot of pressure because he's making like 125 shots in a row. And it's like, you know, you know most people know as a shooter, like a lot of it depends on who's passing you the ball. Yes. If I'm lining the scenes up, uh, seams up. So uh, started doing that. Then by the time I was a, uh, a freshman in high school, uh, playing at Hillcrest um, before they merged to Heritage, which is still crazy to me to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I started playing with the Pumps. And so uh, again, that team it was me, Clay, uh, Drew, Paul. Uh, James Harden was on one team. Uh, Brandon would come play with us a little bit. Damar, you know, just a- anybody that was good in, in high school. Larry Drew, Oscar Belfield. Um, I could name uh, uh, Lauren Jackson. That's crazy. A- anybody you could think of. And so that's that's when I started playing. And that's that's really, for me, how I developed my game was because at the time I really didn't. I knew I was playing with good players, but you know, you go play with them during the summers and then you go over to Hillcrest. It was a walk in the park at the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what I would do during the summers is play with those guys. <laughs> yeah, so you went, so high-level basketball, AAU, playing against all these future pros and guys mm-hmm. who took the game serious. And I'm not saying people didn't take it serious at Hillcrest, but there's definitely a different level of commitment and dedication at a smaller school, private school, especially at that time. That was when guys were still in public schools mm-hmm. moving. Uh, what was your experience there, knowing what you knew and how high competitive you wanted to be with basketball and taking it to Hillcrest and what that meant to you at that time? Yeah, at that time, again, I never, you know, one thing my dad, which some people, I'm happy he did this, but looking back on it, I always kind of think like, what if? Everyone has their what ifs. 
And I'm not, I hate when people, just for the record, like, if you don't play in the NBA, I don't like when people talk about their basketball career. It's just <laughs> stupid. Like, it, it's just funny to me. Like, so I'm a little uncomfortable even talking about Dallas Rutherford's basketball <laughs> career because it, it's funny. But uh, Hillcrest was a, a lot of fun. Uh, coach Kendrick, who, you know, we play in the church league together and he's our coach. We just drew up a game winner. Did you see the yeah. game winner? Oh, yeah. Ian hit Dude, I had my phone up, play. and it went down, so I usually record the games, and the oh, phone was oh, down man. for the second half, and everyone was like, dude, <laughs> you didn't get that on there. But uh, played at Hillcrest uh, with with Coach Kendrick and Ryan Halliday, Drew Rigney. My dad helped coach, and then we brought in Dean Bradshaw. Uh, Dean Bradshaw, he's the one that taught me um, how to play defense. I what really wasn't a defender. And so I had Dean Bradshaw and then started getting close with Drew. And Drew was a phenomenal defender. And so uh, Dean Bradshaw taught me, taught me how to play that, that defense and basically just said, hey, you can't make it to the next level unless you can guard a guard. Right. You got to be able to guard a guard. Um, so did that for my freshman and sophomore year. We won Hillcrest first CIF championship. I think the only one too. Uh, yes. The only one. Yes. <laughs> Come it on, Tate. <laughs> um, and then um, ended up transferring over to Campbell Hall my junior year and senior year to go play with Drew and Justin. Uh, developed a relationship with them. We went on a church trip to Japan our freshman year. Uh, that's where I met Tarek. Uh, yeah, Tarek told us. SB that's Live. That's and, awesome. and, and that's how we all met. And Drew and them were just like, Come over. And at the time, kind of like what you mentioned, I wanted to go to a, a public school. And, and this was a good call by my dad. He's like, there ain't no way you're going to a public <laughs> school because I was a little bit of a, a troublemaker uh, during those years in my life. Uh, but I wanted to go play at Taft. Taft or Simi or mm. Fairfax. Right. I had friends. I'm like, dad, I'll take the bus down to Fairfax because I knew how valuable it was to play with those types of athletes on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah. Like I didn't really do – I did some like athletic training – um, but by the time I was a senior, man, I was, I didn't look athletic, but I knew I could, I could shuffle my feet and, and, and I could, I could hang with the best of them guarding right. Larry Drew on a, a weekly basis. It's just, you, you learn. So that's kind of the high school career. We had a good career at Campbell Hall and, um, we won two state championships and got to hang out with Drew and Justin and go to an interesting private school at the time. And, right. and, and I was a Campbell Hall guy. It's it's interesting because I look back at those days. You guys changed the landscape of public to private, I think. I think Campbell Hall is a big catalyst here in Southern California for that. And even more so, I want to talk. There's a couple points I want to touch on and all, all that you just said is, one, uh, transferring, right? You're at a smaller school, transferring to a bigger school, because mostly because of basketball, mm -hmm. if we're being honest about it. All because and, of basketball. There's nothing, no, no what, other reason. What was the what was the tone of the people and the and the and you know the media? You making that transfer after winning a title? You know now it's huge when somebody transfers. Like mm -hmm. Tark is on it. It's, it's a report. Yeah, yeah. It's all that, right? You guys had just won a CIF title, and then you're transferring over to Campbell Hall. Yeah. Well, I had one more year at, at Heritage where we lost, uh, I think it was Rebay Academy, and this is when the tr that I'm pretty sure they were cheating, but we lost in like the <laughs> semis, and I was playing, again, <clears throat> playing against, you know, I think they brought in these three African kids, and uh, I yeah. believe they were from Africa, yeah. and against Hillcrest, 
it's like me, Ryan, Halliday is pretty much, you know, yeah. Tarek hit a big shot in that game. I, I grabbed Tarek and I was like, way to step up and be somebody. It's like an <laughs> inside joke that we have. Um, but transferring to, to Campbell Hall, the most difficult part of that was me having to tell Coach Kendrick. Uh, because I like to consider myself, I'm a, I'm a loyal dude. All my friends know that. Um, I ride or die from, from my friends and my family and my loved ones. So that was tough, but again, it's like, coach, I, I can't get any better, you know, <laughs> having Billy Corcoran guard me on, on you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. I get to go practice every day at Campbell Hall with, at the time, you know, I think uh, that year, I think we had four or five guys go division one. I think from, from that team, so I've done my research here, from that team total, Seven. That, yeah, you no, 11, if you count from senior to okay, sophomore. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You had 11 guys go D1 or D2 mm-hmm. from those from that those last two years yeah. of your team. It's yep. like ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. amount of talent yeah. in little old Campbell Hall at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just taking it to that next level. You guys yeah. literally, I, you know, I just look back. I'm like, when did it shift? Yeah. Because I was there. So that's I just moved to the Valley in 2007. And I would see Larry Drew at 360 Health Club all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like the only person. I was a grown-up at the time. But I was the only person who could kind of guard him. Mm-hmm. And so he loved playing against me just so he could work on his game there. And that's when Taft was going and public schools were still it. And then Campbell Hall happens. And then you just see this shift. Harvard yeah. Westlake starts to pick it up and just different different private schools. And, um, yeah, it's a rich history there. You know, your name's sitting on the wall still. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a lot, you know, this is me just giving you your flowers, man. You won championships at multiple schools. Yeah. They're following you, you know. Yeah. You got some. I knew how to win. I, 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 I know how to play my role. And, you know, depending on where I was at, I, I'd like to think that I contributed to, to winning basketball. Uh, <laughs> but but kind of to answer your question, the biggest switch, though, from like a media perspective, it was fun going from Hillcrest to Campbell Hall because now I'm playing on ESPN every year, playing on Fox Sports Net, the exposure, not just the athletes that you're playing with, but at the time, you know, I think we were top at, um, I think our senior year, we were top five in the country mm-hmm. at one point. And going up uh, to Minnesota and playing Minnetonka, I think that's the name of the school, but we were just playing, you know, the season really wasn't competitive in the in the league, and I know they've. I don't even know how they do it now with all these open divisions and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. But I think Campbell Hall was Division Four, right? Something like that. Yeah. So the the season wasn't that competitive. But those games, man. I mean, we were like a college team at and before the season would start, traveling. We all had our little <laughs> jumpsuits on and and stuff like that. So that was the biggest. That was fun because I knew I was getting more exposure. Yeah, and so did you see a shift? Were you getting recruited coming out of your sophomore year and then going to Campbell Hall? What did that do for your recruitment? Yeah, so I actually was I was verbally committed with Coach Westfault my freshman year. Um, was at, at Pepperdine? At Pepperdine, and that's where I wanted to go. And um, I didn't finish my, my thought, I just realized. But one thing my dad used to always tell me is you're not going to the NBA. Hmm. Just drilled it into me. You need to go get a degree, go do your school. He never, he made it clear. And so I always wonder if he would have, if my mind thought that I could have done it, I wonder how far I could have gone. And obviously I I made some poor decisions in college when I ended up going to Cal State Northridge, which we can talk about. Uh, But my freshman year, I went down to uh, Pepperdine's invite camp 
and I was a, a, a trash talker, uh, like, like to, I like to compete, and I ended up uh, doing their camp, and Coach Westfall sitting there on the sideline, and I was getting into one of Pepperdine's players, you know, like players that they, they mm-hmm. help run the camp, yep. and so one of the guys got sick of me because I was just chirping them the whole time, and I told him, I, I can beat you in one-on-one right now, and I'm a freshman, but we got to go two dribbles. And that was my thing. Like, it, it's if you give me two dribbles, like king of the court, yep. to this day, I, I think I'm good at the, the two, <laughs> two dribbles. And again, if, if I allowed more dribbles, he was a, a grown man. Mm. But I ended up uh, beating him uh, mm. in one-on-one in front of Coach Westfall. And he was a starter for Pepperdine. And then after that, Coach Westfall just brought me over. He goes, repeat after me. Like, I am going to go to Pepperdine. Like, will you give us, like, a verbal? And I'm like, sure, like, at the time. And I was super excited about it. Right. Coach Westfall ended up, uh, I think he got fired the following year. Um, and then from a recruiting standpoint, I got recruited by a, a lot of different schools. Uh, I didn't kind of realize at the time, but I also had a, you know, Coach Braswell at Cal State Northridge was, um, you know, like a dad to me. And so I heard at least – later on that a lot of schools in my level I think I was a low mid-major player even though I was playing with high major guys yeah. I'd be down at UCLA every you know weekend during the summer playing with all those guys um, but Washington State was uh, a school I went down for for their camp with Clay um, did that camp then they at the end of the camp the whole coaching staff brought 10 guys out of the 60 guys that they brought and said, hey, you know, I thought the camp was over. I took my shoes off. And they're like, no, 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 Dallas, you're on the, the, the top 10 for us right now. Well, you got to go play it one more. And they took us to the big gym to play. Oh, and I killed. And at the end of that one, they just, uh, they sat me down. And I was in the office. I forgot the big man's name. Um, and this, I really wanted it because then I would have been playing in the Pac-12. Right. And that was kind of like, would have been, I think, uh, I would have exceeded you know, where I realistically thought I was realistic. I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to the NBA. Uh, but they just said, hey, look, we got one scholarship. We're, if we go with a big, we're going him. If we're going with a guard, we're going you. And they I, they called me a couple weeks later and said we went with the big. Fair enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, ended up going to Cal State Northridge. Um, and, again, had some other schools, schools recruiting me. Uh, but I think a lot of my recruitment was everyone knew the relationship that my dad and Bobby had. And, yeah. and that whole thing. So I think a lot of schools knew I was going to Cal State Northridge. And to be honest, I wanted to go to Cal State Northridge just because local, I get to stay with my friends, my family. I thought that I was better than Cal State Northridge. Not like better than the school, but I think I could have played at a higher level. Mm-hmm. But I knew I'd get to play a lot. You know, yeah. by the time I was a, a sophomore, junior, senior, I'd be the man. You know, I'd, get, I'd have the ball in my hands. You know what I mean? Yep, I'd have exactly. more, of a, more of a role. And then most people know, uh, got, got in some trouble um, at, at Cal State Northridge. And then after that, man, it was kind of all downhill, struggled with, you know, you can call it mental health, but just wasn't in a good mindset and just completely was just like, all right, I'm done. Went to a school in Denver, uh, Coach Sprinkle and Coach Lewis Wilson. Uh, Danny they, Sprinkle? Danny Sprinkle. Oh, wow. Love Danny Sprinkle. Yeah. Shout out Danny Sprinkle. He's got that new job contract. I yeah. want to go be an assistant for him. <laughs> uh, but they set me up with, at the time, it was the number one JUCO school uh, up in Denver in the country. I think they just came off a national championship. And I don't know if it's the same anymore, but at the time, because everything has changed, 
If you play out of California or New York, it's a national JUCO stage. If you play in California, there's so many JUCOs, or like New York, there's you, you play in a, a national Cali like a, the, the state JUCO yeah. champion uh, or tournament, whatever. And so went up there, and they offered me, you know, they do scholarships for, for the uh, out-of-state JUCOs, and they're coming off just winning it, um, signed it, ended up calling them and said, hey, I, I made a mistake. Um, and a lot of that had to do with a lot of the trouble that I caused with my family and just in my own personal life. I just didn't, I didn't want to be away from my family. I thought that I needed to stay home. So ended up going to Moore Park. Then I went to Azusa Pacific. But again, at that time, man, I wasn't, you know, when I was at Moore Park, it was like practice for one hour a day. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, I'm, I'm used to waking up at six, having to run and going to class and doing weights and doing practice and doing weights again. And yeah. then you got to get some extra work in at night. It was like a job. So then after that, I was just, you know, practicing for one hour a day at Moore Park and doing that kind of stuff. So kind of just and then I ended up quitting. I just said, hey, I'm done. Uh, I had still years of eligibility left. I could have pursued playing either at Azusa another year uh, or tried to go somewhere else. But at that time, I was just so fried from it all. Yeah. And again, because of my dad and him giving me uh, realistic expectations on myself, I started working and trying to find, find ways to make money, which I think paid off. I'm happy he did that now because he taught me how to kind of provide for myself. And, you know, you got to pay the bills. And if, if you're not living at the house, which at the time I didn't want to, now I'd, dad, I'd love to move back in. Uh, but at the time, you know, you don't want to live. I was like, no, nah, right. I can't do this. Uh, but it just kind of taught me how to be an adult and work, you know what I mean? Find ways to make money and be creative. And so that's, that's kind of that's the, the fairy tale of the fairy tale of Dallas Rutherford's basketball career. So much to unpack, <laughs> so much to unpack. You know, we do this show for kids who are in similar situations, right? Um, they're striving to be college players and NBA players or having the expectations to um, just be successful with basketball and how even though you don't make it to the pinnacle, right, that it can lead you and guide you to mm -hmm. where you need to be in your life. So I, I want to get back to you said it when you were deciding to go to maybe a public school in high school. You said ah, that wasn't for me because I was a little bit of a troublemaker and then uh, running into a little issue in college. Um, was there is there a real pressure? Right. They always say, you know, PK being a pastor's kid. Oh, that's real. And what that pressure is like. <laughs> what that rebellion is like, and then what you learned from that experience in college that helped you later on in life. Yeah, um, first of all, the PK thing is 100% true. Used to hate it, now I love it, because you, you, you have the pressure um, of whatever, living up to X expectation, but then uh, now that I'm also older, now that I'm older now also, you get the 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 good part of that, which is my dad's really well networked. People know my last name. So in business, sometimes I feel like I can get inside of different meetings just because they, you know, oh, Dallas Rutherford, like, doesn't your dad, you know, so mm -hmm. younger hated it, older now, I love it. You know what I mean? And, and then again, you have to, you know, have some grace and some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you can't be cocky about it. You know, you have yeah. to, there's a, a level of uh, like I have pride in my last name you know what I mean so yeah. when I'm doing business with somebody I know it's not just a reflection of me but it's my family yeah. it's the church it's what I like to represent what my family represents and that can be tough at times too uh, but there's you know there's pros and cons with being a pastor's kid 
Uh, but I was a kid that liked to learn. Uh, my parents used to always, you know, I was the kid, Dallas, don't touch the stove, it's hot. I'm touching <laughs> it. Like, I, 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 I want to learn. And, and, you know, then I like to make that, that decision based off what I, you know, burn my hand. Like, I, I, I'm, I was that kind of kid. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing that it really kind of taught me at least was kind of just the pride of my last name and the decisions that you make don't just affect you. Mm. They don't just affect you. They affect everybody. And that was tough. That was, uh, to this day, it's, it's, it's a little tough to even talk about, if I'm being honest, just because I did cause a lot of pain and hurt, not just with myself, but, you know, I added to the pressure. Like, my dad had to go preach the next weekend. Mm. And I was on the front page of the, you know, it, it, it was tough. Uh, but just kind of seeing what, what that did to my family, it's like it was a very selfish, immature, obviously it was an immature decision, but uh, it was just, I didn't think about the impact that it had on other people. So that's, that's probably it. the biggest thing that I took away from it, that, yay, this is, this, you didn't choose, the, I didn't choose to be a pastor's kid, you know what I mean? But that's the position that God put me in, and I have to... Uh, you know, represent not just God, but my family. And I think that God should be first. And then, you know, obviously you should care about your family, but what my dad does, not a lot of people can say that that's, you know, like I'm proud that that's my dad. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Yep. That's awesome. Just full circle, looking back and reflecting and where you've come since that point um, is awesome. And, and for the message to be, you have to consider the impact, not just on yourself, mm -hmm. but the people around you is so important for these kids because um, they have more opportunity to mess stuff up with social media oh, and everything gosh. now. And so I'm constantly reminding them of the impact. And it's on a smaller scale with us. We're, we have middle schoolers, right, who can post on all these social media platforms. And hey, you're reflecting core. Mm -hmm. People know you're a part of my program and you're reflecting me. This is how I pay for my family. You ain't messing yeah, up with my yeah. family. You can, you know, and hey, your name and the school and everything you represent is so packed into this. And I do want you to feel a little pressure mm -hmm. because that's life. If mm -hmm. you want to be great and you want to have um, options when you get older and these opportunities, your brand that you're building now, even as a, a middle schooler for these kids, which is crazy. Yeah, it, it's real. It, it, it matters, right? Yeah. When for you, it happened more, you know, probably in high school, with you would have had a, a similar impact. A little bit. I started a little later, but then getting a little college clout. for sure. Like, right. You know I mean? it's, it's and then now. college for sure. And um, that's amazing. What what would you have for the kids? Here, here, let me ask this question. All right. I'm the ring camera, right? What does Dallas's brain look like? as you're recovering from that situation. You said you went through, you said you don't want to call it mental health, but I'm pretty sure it was some type of mental no, health. No, I've, 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 I, again, I think uh, I'm pretty open about speaking about that, that kind of stuff. But what was my mindset after that? Yeah, what, yeah, what did you go through? What emotions and how did you get oh, back man. to a point where you were being productive? I had some very difficult times uh, after that. Um, Some dark times, and again, I had to go learn, like, okay, if I deal with, you know, this emotion by going to, to drugs, alcohol, women, whatever it may be, let me try to feel this hurt that I'm feeling with all this other distraction, mm -hmm. call it that. Um, and, you know, then you realize, like, man, this ain't helping. 
And so I had a really bad night, and I'll leave it at that. And I finally, for the first time in a long time, just decided to start reading my Bible. And that for me, because again, going to church and some people, you know, like even my parents sometimes maybe don't understand it, but I think they do. You know, it's hard for me to even go to church sometimes because I feel like people are looking or judging or like I'm not focused on just church. So I started going to other churches just because I could just feel like normal, if that makes yeah. makes sense. Uh, but really just started reading my Bible and kind of seeking it um, is kind of what turned everything around, I think, in my life. It just got to, had a real, real bad night and woke up the next morning just like, what are you doing? Um, and then slowly, again, it, I wasn't, you know, just woke up and started living a perfect life that second. But it was the first time in my brain where I was like, okay, that this is not working. I got to change something up. Um, so that's kind of how my journey kind of started after that was just opening up my Bible on my own accord and just going, I got to try something else. Yeah. Awesome. Man. <laughs> awesome. Amen. Yeah. And I think that's so important that we, you go back to the, to the foundation, right? And it wasn't like you didn't know that before, but kids, you're all going to go through something in mm -hmm. life where you're going to hit the bottom and you have to know what to turn to and what not to do because we, we all go through it. We all have that moment. So, I think that's the important part is how do you pull yourself out of something that feels like you're probably unrecoverable, right? Mm -hmm. um, cool, man. Thank, thank you for sharing yeah, that, by yeah. the way. That's, <laughs> that's what this is about is really getting down to the, to the depth of, uh, man, those, those moments of, of adversity and coming out of them. So basketball is over. What's next? Uh, what, what did you transition into after you uh, left uh, Azusa? And how did you get to where you are now, man? Uh, co-hosting with, you know, uh, these kids, Goat, Paul George, and, um, you know, being a husband and uh, just seeking different business opportunities. So what happened between that? Part? Yeah, so after I was done with college, um, and I'm not going to get into too much detail about it, but essentially I started uh, dabbling around with social media, which is crazy to think about now the kids, it's so popular. But at the time, it was like right when Instagram was coming out and stuff like that. So in my 20s, I kind of started a, a social media agency where I'd help people grow their pages. And at the time, it was, it was awesome. I had several hundred clients that I was working with on a monthly basis during my 20s, which was great. But then again, maybe not the best thing for me because it was just easy money at the time. I didn't have to show up to... I, my 20s were not your typical 20s. Um, just because of the business that I kind of had created for myself. I was doing remote work before anyone was doing remote work and all my other buddies were in, you know, their own careers and showing up to the office. And so probably when I was like 25, 26, I've been doing social media for the last five years, being able to provide for myself and live pretty comfortably. I got bored of working from home. And I went and got a job, uh, just was like, you know, I just want to go try something. And so I went on like Indeed or something online and got a, a saw a job for uh, uh, being a loan officer at a call center. So there's call center LOs and then there's self-source LOs. Call center company provides you leads, self-source, you go and develop relationships and get referral business. You get paid more on this end, but you get a paycheck on this end no matter what you do. Uh, so I went to a call center in Calabasas and ended up becoming friends with the manager that was running the whole um, the whole company. 
and he was my age. Mm. And I was super intrigued by him. His name's Edwin, who I'm still close friends with today. But I was just so intrigued because it's all these grown men. And then there's a guy my age managing all these guys. And he was a killer on the phones. He knew everything about loans. Um, and so developed a really good relationship with him, which I'd like to talk about relationships because that's what I think is the most important thing in life. Um, but started working with him for a while, and he ended up going from the call center world over to the self-source self world and have been doing mortgages uh, ever since. So if you're out there and you're looking to buy or refinance, give me a call. My number will be, no. <laughs> no, uh, go ahead, please, but, we do that. <laughs> uh, have been doing loans, so you know a lot of people to this day, they get confused. Like, I'm not a real estate agent. I don't help people find homes, but in order to buy a house, you have to have money to buy the house. So you gotta go to the bank, we look at your credit, um, what kind of income you have, your debt, and we give you an amount that you're pre-approved for so that you can start making mon monthly payments. Uh, when are interest rates going down, man? <laughs> well, to, to, they've actually gone down for three weeks consecutively, which okay. is uh, very small, um, but it's a good sign. Uh, I could get into our economy and all that stuff, but it would be extremely boring. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I still think it's a good time to buy. That's just my opinion. I tell people all the time, if you're a first-time home buyer, right now is still a good time to buy because interest rates will always fluctuate. Um, and right now, there's not a whole lot of competition in the market because people can't afford it. Right. So in COVID, you place an offer on a house, there'd be 700 people bidding on the house. So for, let's say you're buying a $500,000 condo, that condo could go for seven, 750 because there's 700 people bidding on it. Well, now rates are, 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 are high. So now there's five, four, three, two people bidding on that $500,000 house. Yes, the payment's higher, but if you're comfortable with that monthly payment and can weather the storm per se, then you're good. Get in the house now, you can get seller credits, you can get credit to buy down your rate. And then when rates do drop, then you just refinance your payment and, and have a more affordable payment. And then the podcast, um, which I like to talk about relationships um, because it's just crazy how it works out. Like, yes, my basketball career didn't go as planned. Like, I have friends to this day that are still overseas. They're 34 years old. Mm -hmm. And I respect it, but I knew I, I could not have done that. Like, could not have still been overseas playing basketball away from your family like they're you know once they're done playing it's going to hit them it hits them hard and i had to go through that at a younger age which i'm glad i kind of got it out the way like bro it's over you know what i mean it's it's church league from here on out <laughs> yeah. um but the amount of people that i met and i felt like i did a decent job but now as an adult i know i could have done a way better job um of networking and the importance of all these people that you're meeting. I mean, the caliber of guys that I played with, uh, at the end of the day, I know that I at least was a good friend. You know, that's, I, I've never asked anyone for really anything my whole life with all the NBA guys I know, um, and just keeping a, a genuine good relationship with people and, and keeping that in mind, like all these tournaments the kids might be going to, or guys on there, you know, there could be a guy on your team that starts the next Microsoft or something yeah. like that. And a lot of these public or private schools now, I mean, there's some, some kids that have family in there that are sons of somebody that one day they're going to take over. So the relationship aspect of it uh, is the, the, the coolest thing that basketball brought to me. I'm still friends with 
so many guys that that I've played with and and you know even like the the James Harden thing I remember being in I think I was in eighth, ninth grade, eighth grade, and we used to do this drill at Artesia High School where you start at the free throw line and there's a, the, the defender's at the free throw line with a cone on each block or, or elbow, and the, there'd be a line at half court. Coach would pass him the ball, on, catch it in stride, and I'd have to play defense on James Harden and Russ and, and Jordan Farmer. And these guys are coming at me a thousand miles per hour and I'm just sitting there at the free throw <laughs> line like, okay. Um, but again, all these guys that you played with. It's Did just, you tell me about that drill? I, I do that drill. I call it the James Harden drill. I learned it maybe I 10 years ago. That's one of my most favorite I think maybe drills, you told bro. me about it, yeah. That's, that's I, used to have, I used to show Tar- Tarek hated that drill. But um, I bet. It, it's, <laughs> it, it, it teaches you, again, playing with athletes like that, you got to learn how to guess or put yeah. your body in the right position and so forth. But uh, again, just the relationships of it all. Paul gave me the opportunity to, you know, I've been friends with Paul for a, a long time now and uh, kind of chirped in his ear about, hey, man, you should do a podcast because I've been listening to so many podcasts. He's super well spoken. I, I don't think people really know like Paul as a person uh, as much. Now, now they kind of have an idea because they mm-hmm. get to hear him speak and uh, kind of hear his wisdom and how he carries himself, but he's just a great dude and can relate to all walks of life, like I mentioned. And so gave me the opportunity to do the podcast, and now I'm absolutely a uh, big, big blessing. It's been fun. I'm meeting new guys. Got to interview Jerry West and awesome. sitting with all these guys. So now I'm I'm doing the podcast, and I'm doing the mortgages, and it's been fun. Sweet. So... I'm a high school player going to all these AAU tournaments and events and meeting different coaches and players. What are my networking tools? If you had three networking tools that you would say, hey, these are the three things you need to do anywhere you go, what would you tell that kid? Man, if I, if, if I was uh, back, if I was a kid today, social media, mm-hmm. that's basically your business card. And kind of to your point, like, you know, your kids are a reflection of Core Academy. That's real. You could start building your own brand right now. Um, And social media can be a scary place because today if I decided, hey, I'm going to act like I'm a doctor, I could literally start posting, you know, doctor Mm -hmm. pieces of content and people are going to start looking at me like I'm a doctor and I might not be a doctor. But the point is, is that that social media is is literally your, your business card. Uh, it's a quick glance where people can kind of get an idea of who you are and what you're about. So I'd be connecting with everyone on social media, and then I'd be doing it old school too. I'd be getting phone numbers and emails, and I would be contacting these people, almost like having a little CRM, and, and just checking in with different people in the community and building relationships. And if anybody literally at the, in this age right now starts asking for, hey, let me get your name and number. I want to stay in contact with you. It's a very simple request. Right. You check in with that person for the next 10 years. Well, they say, let me get your snap is what they say now. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm not doing the snap. But <laughs> if, if a kid's watching this and does this in 10 years, he'll be a wealthy man. Awesome. So, yeah, no, I think that's important for kids. I, I always, uh, we call it when the ball stops bouncing, preparing for what's after right what are you interested in now what would you do if you had all the money in the world what would you want to be a part of and um just giving kids that pathway right and giving them like i would love for you to come actually speak to the kids directly at core this your journey and how basketball 
the physical playing part of basketball stopped, but you still have a ball in your hands today mm -hmm. whenever you want to. Like, you mm -hmm. have access to, you, you pretty much, I always say that, like, no, I'm not in the NBA, but kind of am. I kind of know a lot of players. I get to be on the court with them. Mm -hmm. I'm in the NBA in my eyes. Like, this is glorious for me like, yeah, to just that, be connected to the game so close. Yeah, it's and that's, again, for me, I get to live vicariously through, like, guys that are NBA, it's crazy. And again, it's it's all God, like the places I was put in and stuff like that. Like, I know it's not common to, to have friends that are not just in the NBA, but like they're the best in the NBA. Like they're all stars in the NBA, long yeah. careers, not, you know, and just getting to the NBA is like almost impossible. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I get to tell people all the time, I, I get to go out there and watch my best friend dribble this basketball and it's fun it's it's i get to go to all the games i i kind of i'm not in the nba but at times it feels like i'm there you know what i mean yeah. and it's it's been a, a joy to to have that insight and so and it's difficult uh i tell people all the time you know most common people think the nba are so uh, judgmental and they always got something to say <laughs> there is so much that goes into i do not envy paul's life one bit yeah it doesn't matter the money it's you gotta you think you got problems now you'd have a lot more problems if you were in the nba right a lot more problems so it's, it's you you're you have to be a special person not just athletically but you have to be a a, a solid special person you know spiritually and, and what's inside to be able to handle everything that comes with with the league no, that's great advice, and that's why we character, 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 and, and what you do and how you do it matters, not just how you hoop. And we try to, once again, we try to instill that into the kids at a young age, and some of them just don't get it. They yeah. just don't understand how that impacts you for the long term. Yeah. And when these guys are done, when Paul's done playing, he's going to have so many opportunities because of how he led his career, how mm -hmm. he worked his butt off mm -hmm. every moment and just gave his all. You know, that, that means so much, and it's going to open up opportunities for for other people. What's your favorite part about podcasting? My favorite part about podcasting uh, is just learning and and being able to, to just get to know people. You know what I mean? It's at first I was really nervous on the podcast, like my first one that I did, but now it's just an opportunity to just learn more about another person, try to build a relationship. Obviously, you don't want to force anything, but just some of the stories and the different backgrounds and, and how they made it to the NBA and hearing some of these stories, it's basketball. I mean, I get to, I get paid to show up for an hour and talk basketball with one of my homies and somebody else that plays in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just the, the people person, the, the, the people person that I am is just being able to have conversations with different people in the game was just my favorite thing. I like to talk with them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh same here. It's just been a joy to get to know people, like you said, and to just talk hoop, man. And and not that basketball. I don't believe the the term ball is life, right? I think it, it puts basketball in this pedestal. Pedestal and like like a idol almost, right? Mm -hmm. Where we center our life around basketball, but we should be centering our, our life around God, family, mm -hmm. and these other things that will outlast what basketball can do. But not but and basketball can be that catalyst though that sparks your life right like I just stay connected to basketball no matter what happened basketball is literally in my vows that I get to play in an adult league 
every week. Is it? Literally in my vows. You're sick, bro. No, I was like, <laughs> You're sick, I said, bro. my wife can't take this from me. <laughs> <laughs> she can't because it helps me love her better. Like mm-hmm. the the yeah. Thursday nights we do right now is like, man, Which, that's By the way, we're tough. undefeated. We beat Todd's team. And we, my dad did say you need to work on your defense. He wanted me to tell you this on this did, podcast. Did he today. see me in the second half? No. I well, locked, maybe he did. I left. He left. I left. Okay, I left. I'm going. So may, I don't know. If I did terrible. Left. We were playing a two-three defense. I played terrible. I don't really. They were the team was terrible. In the second half, I played man to man. I locked dude down. Like yeah, so. Well, you played with Josh Merrill. He was a ball hawk. So. Oh man, he is <laughs> the best. Josh, love you. Hey, we've won multiple championships this year. I don't even think we're. I think we may be in the play-in game. This league is fun. It, yeah. It's the best league I think we've had in a while like Absolutely. balance of teams and stuff yes. like that so it's going to be fun yep there's over at Shepherd Church guys Thursday nights they have multiple leagues no matter your skill level um you don't, come get it yeah you you could try to come <laughs> in our league you're going to lose like it's some tough team they've been playing together since high school and they're still together and yeah um it's fun though that's uh I'm all sidetracked now you're good I'm, I'm thinking about hooping um so yeah so podcast so on that subject we're gonna roll right into my rushmore okay okay your top four podcasts okay my top four podcasts that you currently listen to that i'm currently listening to and this is gonna be a tough because i do listen to a few well number one (laughs) gotta be gotta be podcast p is is number one uh but following up with that i'm gonna go with patrick bed david's uh podcast uh, I think he does a great job of talking, you know, uh, current events, culture, business, politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interested in listening to a podcast that is just very well-rounded with the subjects that they cover, it's from A to Z. And so I think it can give you a quick synopsis of like what's going on in today and how it actually applies to you. Mm-hmm. Um so that would be number two. Shout out Patrick Vid David and Tom Ellsworth. Number three. This is going to be a. I like Full Send. I like the Full Send and Elk Boys podcast. Uh, I think they also do a fantastic job of just bringing all sorts of different guests in. Uh, they haven't been as consistent lately, so. I could probably put, you know, my fourth would be Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Again, I think he brings, it's all about the guests. It really is. Right. And uh, just bringing different people in. And again, you just learn. It doesn't matter if you're talking to a doctor, a basketball player, a business guy, uh, a politician, a pastor. It doesn't matter what it is. You can just get some insight of, um, of different people's lives. So our podcast, podcast P number one. What did I say? Number two. So uh, Patrick yeah. Ved David. You don't have to rank them because they're all on okay. the Rushmore. They're Joe the top, Rogan but, and, and, yeah. and I'm gonna go full sin. Like it, man. That's good. I think it's uh, eclectic. You got got yeah. something all the way across the board with what you're doing. Uh, my four would be. Uh, I'm gonna start with the Huberman Lab. I love just the science of us improving ourselves and our lives. Um, the stuff that you learn on there is like. That's crazy. Like, Got to listen was... to Gary Brecca. Okay. Go watch the last ep. Uh, Joe Rogan had him on. Okay. It's I'm just getting on like you enjoying that science stuff. I've never had any interest in it. Now I'm like, what am I putting into my body? Yes. I ordered Celtic sea salt. 
I'm ordering all this like random stuff that I'm yes. just trying. But sorry, I had, you got to go watch that episode. Uh, thank you. No, I, I preach. I'm doing a lot of research and that kind of stuff. You know, our, our parents are getting older and they're having all these, you yeah. know, blood pressure and all these things. I'm like, hey, you guys just need to eat healthier. Mm -hmm. Like, you guys been putting crap in your body for, for a long, long time. They're the generation where they stopped caring about food and they just consume, consume, consumed. And we're like the conscious generation now where we're like, hey, you can eat good, still have some flavor and eat healthy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the worst it. both ways. But, uh, so yeah, Huberman Lab. Uh, the next one is actually the Bible Project. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos. So they have a YouTube series where they animate and they break the Bible down in a way where it's like, super like layman terms like they break down every book of the bible different words in the bible so you understand the story they look at it from a literary context mm. and how it was written and man it's amazing they'll break down like what does it mean what does love mean and how is it how it's used in the bible and there's a four minute video and the, they just break oh, it down man. and so in the podcast so it's about an hour hour and a half where they actually deep dive into multiple subjects and so you want some like deep dive into the Bible and really understand it and who was writing it, why they were writing it I love in it. the language. I, I oh, just man. had a conversation with my mom about what the, when it says you need to have like, when people say like fear God, yes. like you need to have a fear of God. What does that word fear and what other words does it actually mean? I, so I'm, I'm going to listen to there, it. There is a video <laughs> like, specifically about the word. fear of God and like you're going to. So I, I found it, I discovered it during COVID, and so I binged it. They have The Bible Project. The Bible Project. Oh, <laughs> man. Amazing. Yeah, they have an app and everything. They, like, they teach you uh, the Hebrew Bible. Yep. For, like, it's, it's sick. Um, so, yeah, the Bible Project. Um, third one on my mount, um, Diary of a CEO uh, by, ooh. Okay. You Steve, know the title. Yes. Diary of a CEO. So he interviews, he's like a, a venture capitalist and he's made a lot of money, sold his company or whatever, and he gets these CEOs on there and they deep dive into everything. A lot like Joe Rogan, it's, um, this guy's probably the best interviewer I've ever, ever heard. Like the questions he asks are ridiculous and um, they deep dive into everything. He had a guy on there last week who, um, he's got a perfect score on his sleep. He uses the whoop mm -hmm. to... He had a hundred score for six straight months by doing these things, and he's telling you the formula to get the perfect sleep. In Is life. this the skinny white guy that kind of almost looks like he does all the infrared stuff? And uh, Stephen Bartlett, yeah, good, yeah, Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett. The I'm not guy, seen it. I haven't, I have, so I listened to it. I haven't, I've never seen okay, the guest, okay, so okay. I don't know who he looks okay, like. Okay. But yeah, it might be. Um, but he's gotten perfect. Like, there's only one I, person yep, who's gotten I think, perfect I think, sleep. I, I think okay. I know who this guy is. Yeah, no, he's pretty, pretty sick. So I love that show. And then fourth, this is tough because I know I'm supposed to love myself, but I don't know if my podcast is my favorite one, my top four. I love this show though. It's probably Podcast P. I think you guys do a great job. I got to give y'all love. I got to give y'all love. It's just <laughs> a great dynamic. And um, like you said, man, seeing um, an NBA player of his caliber to be vulnerable and like just really just chop it up and, and be himself. You could tell he's just like literally in his in his lane himself. Um, and you do a great job. Like I said, man, just uh, bringing a different perspective and, you know, getting the guests to open up, man. You guys do a great job. So thank you. Shout out to podcast, that. P podcast. Yeah. I, I do have one last thing I want to say. Yeah. I watched uh, a couple clips, JJ Prince. 
Coach Prince. Yeah. Coach Prince is my guy. I just wanted to shout out Coach yeah. Prince. One of my all-time, all-time favorite coaches. And Coach Prince will always have a special, special place in my heart. Man, now he's had a lot of impact on a lot of people. And he's yeah. kind of low-key. Like, mm -hmm. if you really, like, think about all he's done and having him on here and um, just seeing the response to his clips. Like, he didn't even... I usually collab posts on these things. He didn't even collab. And he got, like, for me, 6,000 views in a day is mm -hmm. pretty crazy. I only have, like, 5,000 followers. Right. And his went crazy without a collab or anything. And he's um, a lot of just perspective and peace and wisdom in, yep. in, in what he has. He's such a good dude. Him and, again, you know, JJ, uh, Coach Prince and Coach Tate. You know, both were the assistants when I was at Campbell Hall. Yeah. And we had some, we we, we all had some some good times together. Yeah. And it's, again, goes back to relationships. Like, yeah. I still try to keep keep in touch with Coach Prince and have kind of watched him kind of go from different schools and, and things like that. But I think it's awesome that he's, he's it's crazy to think he's still coaching. You know yeah. what I mean? But I know he's got to be doing a fantastic job. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's killing a, he's a great guy. He's, he's been there 15 years now or something or 12 years something crazy like he's been at viewpoint and, yep. and killing viewpoint. it CIF titles and doing his thing and so um no great great guest thank you I wanted to mention him yeah I just absolutely all right um we have to do another my Rushmore you're a valley kid you've seen them all from you know being in there you like you said you're around LA players from sixth grade until you know even seeing them now uh your top four valley basketball player San Fernando Valley of all time so number one is the easiest pick because I'm ranking them well I got to rank number one okay. I personally think that Drew Holiday is the best basketball player to ever come from the valley the most well-rounded Drew was you know in high school when I was playing with the pumps with Clay and Paul no one thought that Clay Thompson and Paul George were going to be in the NBA in high school wow no not you didn't see it maybe maybe but like when drew stepped on that court no doubt whole different ball game bro i watch even watching these games like because now it's fun for me to look at the top teams now and go i wonder if our campbell hall team could have beat them yeah. and there i have not seen one kid uh and i've seen them all all, all the sierra canyon teams and Harvard West, all these teams. Drew would still average 40 points a game if he wanted to uh, in high school. So I think Drew Holiday um, is the best Valley basketball player. Uh, got to put Paul up there. You know, got to put up Paul the way his career has unfolded. Not many people from the Valley have been a, you know, so-and-so many times all-star and been able to accomplish some of the stuff he's done. We count Palmdale Lancaster as the Valley guys, yep. just for all you guys. Like, oh, that's not, it's the yeah, Valley. Yeah, Shout out Palmdale. And then got to put some of the old school, older guys. Jordan Farmar, I think he kind of. You said Jordan Farmar like he's old. He's my age, man. Don't yeah, old school old. us. <laughs> old. Don't old school us. <laughs> uh, but Jordan Farmar, I think, kind of kind of set the tone a little bit for, for like Valley. You yeah. know, the Valley is kind of like a staple. And then. Uh, lastly, another guy, I've, I've met Gilbert a few times here and there, but I would put Gilbert. I remember going to Gilbert's games uh, when he was in high school. I've watched Gilbert Arenas play basketball in high school in the wow. Valley. My dad used to take me. Um, but I, I would say, you know, Gilbert was a problem. 
So I would put th those would be my four. Nice, nice. That's going to be hard to think of a different four <laughs> yeah, than yeah. those. Those are all phenomenal players. And we're not even going back. To, like, we're almost, Gil's the oldest guy we have. I'm sure there's other people yeah. in the Valley that we don't even know, you know, before our time. But for sure, like you said, Drew, this he was, what, number one, number two player in the country at the time. And he played point guard to the post to everything in Defense. high school. Yeah, he's, he's and incredible. still doing it. I was watching Boston yesterday. Like, man, this dude is. He's still, he's the most underrated. Like, people don't understand how good Drew is. Yeah, he you literally You got to know plays. basketball. He, every play, he affects every single play, even if he doesn't touch the ball. He's yep. doing something that's like, oh my goodness. Like, he's yeah. always doing the right thing. 100%. So, I got Drew. Um. Got Gilbert just just from I've never seen him play. I've seen film and just what I've heard from people on the show actually, and and his impact and who he was playing against when he did. Um, and let's see, going to go. You want to put Swaggy on there? I no personally I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I love Swaggy. Swaggy's uh, Swaggy I need icon, you on the though. show. Yeah no he yeah, is. He is. Uh, I, I'll put Jordan. Jordan was one of my favorite players um, just at UCLA and all that time. And we're in the same graduating class. So I, I lived in the IE at the time. And so like just knowing who he was and, and seeing games at the showcases and all that, man, he was just ridiculous, man. Pulling up from 30 feet and just his swag on the court and being a, a light-skinned guard, like, I could just relate, and you then get <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then getting to know him when, when he, later when he was playing for the Lakers, he used to actually hit me up to do like midnight one on one. Mm -hmm. Like we'd just go play at his house at midnight and just have like literally two hour battles. I would never score, or win ever, right. but to compete yep. and play with him, and um, so it was just just a cool thing. So this fourth one, mess everybody up, is actually somebody who only played in the Valley for two years. And I say it all the time, man, but I, think I, I physically saw this kid like he was just ridiculous. The younger guy. Sky Clark. Uh, I, I don't care what anybody yeah. says, man. This kid was just, in the two years he played out here, then he moved to Tennessee. He's at Louisville now. And, man, he just, he dominated, man. He, the kid shot 56% from the field, 50% from three, averaging 25, 7, and 7. Yeah. Like, and only lost two games, and I just seen him demolish people, man. It was like if somebody was tracking to have what Drew did was him, and then he moved to Tennessee, and yeah. you know, he, Big, so he's strong. not so. I, I've I've kept I tried to keep keep in touch with Sky here and there, and just send him some encouragement, but yeah. he, he's yeah. We'll man, see what was, happens. So, you know yeah, what no, I mean? he's he he you know he's he's at Louisville. I think he has uh, he got injured in high school his senior year with torn ACL. He got over that mental hurdle of getting back from injury and he has an opportunity at Louisville. Um, he has to take advantage of it, man. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. But when he was in high school, man, I don't, I don't care what anybody said. That kid was so good. Let that's me ask you man. this. I have a question for you. Who's the best player in the Valley now? Eliza Arenas. Is he? Not even going to hesitate. I, I just went to that because I, I stopped by and Tark was like, he played earlier. I haven't seen him play. Yeah, I was just at the game last night. He's, he's. Sophomore? Sophomore. Um, six, six now. Um, he's the best player in the Valley. We're talking about straight talent, like yeah. projecting to go to the NBA and, and ha maybe have an all-star career at Lies Arena. Mm. There's some, now, every player has things they can improve on, so he can improve his effort on defense. And I hope you hear this, kid. He can improve his effort on defense and um, 
just his uh, game awareness a little more, and he knows that. But it makes sense. Lit- literally <laughs> unstoppable on offense. Gilbert's kid, um, and he gets double and triple teamed, and his passing ability is ridiculous. It's just, yeah, he's he's crazy, man. I I really enjoyed watching Gilbert. Uh, he had like a camera outside on the basketball hoop, and he was doing one of his. Um, whatever he when he puts his face up there yeah. and he talks about the clip but it was him and his son in the backyard and they were in the post and he was talking about like I didn't I didn't know if he traveled so I had him do it again but they were just out in the backyard you know working on his yeah. his pivot let me turn pump fake and then you got to have a move like Kawhi if you can't you know if, if he doesn't bite for any of the three moves you got to be able to get in there so I could it makes a lot of sense that that's your pick. Yeah, no, the kid can go. And so he was part of CORE for three years too, right? And so when Elijah first started getting into basketball, and so being a part of his development and, and that that ground level to see, like, the, the kid's mindset, right? That's what I always look at is there's a lot of kids who have skills and talent, right? But I know what a pro mindset looks like just being around NBA players. And the focus he has on the court is just, like, it's crazy and the stuff he picks it up and he works and he works and he works so I got one more question for you Todd because I actually am curious about this how much defense do you in in your skills work mm-hmm. because when I look at all these guys on Instagram that do I'm not saying again I've never been inside one of I'm not saying someone I know a lot of guys that do basketball training mm-hmm. I never see anybody people anybody teaching people how to play defense uh, I do I it's not an everyday thing, for sure. It takes me about three weeks to teach somebody defense. So that's how I got working with NBA players. So Joe Bunasar with Impact used to call me in to just play defense on NBA players because I'm competitive and I have I just have good defensive strategy one-on-ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, it it is something I do when kids are physically ready for it, actually, because the way you have to play defense is very physical when you get to that higher level. But it takes me – I do a three-week thing where – it's all about defense and they turn a corner so we do it in core every day in our, our my training program when it's more of a group setting but we do a defense defensive principle every day whether that's you know slides kickouts recovering walling up or whatever it is but as a skills trainer i do a three-week thing where we just go hard and once they get it once they understand the concept it you don't really have to teach it anymore you know so. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta try to have Dean Bradshaw. Okay, he was at the, he was at the, he was doing it with the girls. Okay, you gotta that guy. Some of the stuff which we can talk about later, but some of the stuff that he taught me, stuff I never have been, and I've, I'd like to think I've had a lot of good teachers besides my dad. Like I was always around, like, yeah. good, high IQ, you know, basketball people, and some of the stuff he taught me, is like stuff i've never seen be taught anywhere else yeah yeah no i gotta i gotta check it out yeah now so i'm doing this stuff with the girls it was on an instagram post randomly and i'm like oh i think my dad has him in, in oh he's coming help- okay I, that makes I think, sense i think he was in there helping with my dad and had had coach bradshaw come down nice Love Dean bradshaw. Yeah. man i gotta yeah i gotta get that work so um now the next part of our show was flip the script where you asked me two questions um so you have to do it again i gotta ask you <laughs> yeah because those are, yeah okay they don't um, have to be about basketball okay who, who who would be i got I got easy yep. who, who would be uh all-time guest that you would want on like if you could pick one guest vince, to be on this vince, who's your dream guest vince carter really my favorite player ever 
Um, and I want Vince Carter on here. Okay. That's, that's uh, easy. And then my second question would be, what are your what's your long term goal? You've been at Core for a while. Do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be get more involved in the NBA? What's like your pinnacle? Like in your mind, what's the pinnacle of success look like for you? Absolutely. Um, I think it. I think Core will always be there. I think I'm. We've developed a business and a program that is so beneficial to kids that it will outlast me. And so we're just building the infrastructure to always keep that going. And I'll always be a part of that because core for me is, is um, ministry, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it, it is financially provides for my family. At, at some point or another, though, it is ministry, man. I get to spend time with these kids at a very pivotal time in their life. They and need it. Give them the guidance they need to reach their goals, which is that's that's what I love to do. I love to in, encourage and inspire people to reach their goals and get to the next level. And so core will always be there. My next step is this stuff. Like I, I, I'm praying that this thing takes off. I'm just be consistent. I think we have a good show. I think we have great guests. I think we are giving information and guidance to this next generation, what they really need and where this game is going and how to use it to springboard to the next level for themselves. And so a lot more media stuff. And ultimately I want to just stay in this, like a consulting role anything connected to basketball really where I can get you to the next level. And so we're, I'm starting a um, consulting, it's called the basketball firm where we do, it's like more of a personal development program for student athletes where we're doing a six week guide of, Hey, you want to be an NBA player. All right, here's the blueprint for that. And really giving them what it takes to get there. And now understanding also, you may not get there, but we're giving you the blueprint to, like you said, Create those relationships that you need to get to the next level and just being a, being a guide um and so hopefully that leads me into other rooms where i can consult with the nba consult with uh teams or or programs shoe brands wherever they need a a dose of um the youth development i think that's where my expertise comes in or just uh how to grow a business in the basketball space been able to do that so cool yeah yeah, that's it. Um, you got 24 second shot clock. No, there's been one person that stayed under 24 seconds so far. Maybe two, one, two. Oh, two I'm gonna now. do horrible at this. Whatever <laughs> this is, I already know I'm gonna do bad at it. So that's your camera there. Oh lord. Let the people know where they can find you oh, and okay, a message, easy. a message you have for them, or um, you know, anything that you you wanna let them know. You got 24 seconds. Nobody's really counting. But yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> as far as I'll keep it mortgage-related, if you're looking to buy or refinance, just go on Instagram and search Dallas Rutherford. Shoot me a message, whether you're looking for an investment property, looking to buy your first home, um, or maybe you're... Let me start over. Yeah, you got it. Well, let me make sure this is edited. What, 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 what did I send? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at Dallas Rutherford if you're looking to buy a home, maybe you're looking to refinance, maybe it's your first starter home or it's an investment property, just shoot me a DM. I would love to walk you through the process. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for a loan officer to work with and assist you, not only just on the loan side, uh, but help kind of help with your branding and your social media, I that's what I do as a value add to my agent partners. And then lastly, if you're a loan officer and you're looking to join a team or get into the loan game, shoot me a message. I'm about to start my own team out here in Los Angeles. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, 
great show, man. Thank you for all your insight, man, and sharing your experience. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on the podcast. I look forward to maybe uh, getting a mortgage loan from you one day as well. Let me know, bro. So, appreciate, appreciate you, yep, man. It's fun. Thanks for doing the show. Okay, but yes, w- w- when are we going to do my... I, I got, what about my invites? Oh, we do it after. Oh, okay. My bad. Maybe I missed up. We'll just do this hey, again. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> yes, Thanks sir. for having me, bro. <laughs> yep. <laughs>